It's good to be with you this morning. Appreciate so much the uh, the class. Got nice job, Keith, on finishing that. That was uh, quite impressive. But uh, but even more so, appreciate uh, the way in which you led us through that book, uh, the book of Romans. It's been a, a good study for me, and I know it has been uh, for all the others of you who've been able to participate in that. Uh, it's good to be back with you after a week away. Uh, had some good time with family. Hope all of you had some good time with with some family. Got to got to enjoy being together. But. Uh, Grateful, grateful to be back together, and uh, excited for those of you who are going to be able to, to join the, the Rubex tonight as we celebrate uh, the new year together as well. Uh, but it's good to be together with God's people wherever we are, especially on the Lord's Day. And so thankful, thankful to see all of you here. Uh, as Mike was talking about those songs and what they meant to him, uh, especially before the Lord's my shepherd, I was reminded... Uh, some of you know Shane Scott, and uh, some of you know his uh, the situation that happened with his wife uh, several years ago. Uh, his wife passed away from cancer uh, after they'd only been married a few years, and I remember him saying they were sitting in her hospital room where she passed away just a couple days later, reading through some psalms, and they read Psalm 23, and you know he'd always thought that was kind of cliche, and then all of a sudden in that situation he realized, no wonder so many people love this psalm. It's such a comfort to us uh, to know how our God cares for us, even in our times of difficulty. Uh, so I, I thought of that as uh, as Mike was leading that, and certainly prayerful for him and and for Linda and for for their whole families they as they go through through this time. Uh, Cassie and I just wrapped up uh, a couple of days at a winter camp with some other Christians from the Chicagoland area, and that was that was very encouraging for us. Uh, and every year, the, the devotions and the Bible classes at that camp center around a theme. Uh, and this year, the theme was redeeming your phone time. And I was asked to speak on that theme. And I don't usually speak topically, so that was, uh, that was a little bit of a challenge for me. Um, but specifically, I was asked to speak on the, on the idea of being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit as it relates to redeeming our phone time. And so at first, as I was planning my sermons for this month that I would preach here, I was planning to preach on Judges this morning um, with our One God, One Story series, which I've been trying to do the last Sunday of every month, uh, and Judges was next up. But as I was preparing my lesson for the camp, I I realized that what Scripture has to teach us on this topic, uh, being filled with the Spirit and redeeming our phone time, that those were things I really needed to hear. And realizing that I needed that lesson, uh, I kind of figured maybe... Uh, If there's biblical wisdom on a specific topic that I need to hear, there's a good chance that considering those things together might be a benefit to you all as well. So instead of trying to prepare my judge's lesson and write this lesson this past week, I decided I'd just spend my time focusing on this lesson and and making it all that it could be for for both audiences and push judges to next month. So that's why we're not talking about judges today. Uh, And so that's what we're going to do this morning with, with a few modifications for our group in particular. And perhaps the primary modification I want to make is to apply these biblical principles about redeeming our phone time and being filled with the Spirit, not just to our phones, but to all of our screens, because we've got more than just that. Uh, TV, video games, movies, computers, tablets, and of course, phones themselves as well. And truthfully, I don't struggle too terribly with how uh, how much phone time I spend, but my computer is a whole different story. So there's enough forms of how we can access the Internet and waste our time and, and, and uh, use our time in ways that, that God would not have us to uh, beyond just our phones. 
And so this morning, I want to consider together the idea of being filled with the Spirit, especially as it relates to redeeming our screen time. So when I found out I was speaking on that at this camp, uh, I started looking at texts that I could possibly speak from, and I'll be honest, uh, I'm ashamed to say that my knee-jerk, subconscious reaction was, okay, so I'll study anything but Galatians 5, because, man, that's just the fruit of the Spirit. We learned that as kids, you know, fruit of the Spirit's not an apple, you know, all of that. I mean, yeah, we're, we can move on from that. That's simple stuff for the kids, right? You need to be deeper than that. Obviously, you can see the problem with that. But while I wasn't completely conscious of my problematic thought process on that, I happened to have a wonderful wife who asked me what my plan was for covering that topic and told her some of my ideas. I also told her I was struggling to kind of tie all that together. And so she asked me, what about Galatians 5? Just been studying that in the kids' class? There's a lot of good stuff in there. And, of course, that made me have to come up with a good reason why I wasn't talking about Galatians 5. And so as I was trying to explain to her why I thought, well, I shouldn't teach from Galatians 5, I, I started to realize I had this problem with the way I was thinking about that text. And the reason I bring this up is, while hopefully you don't have the level of bias against Galatians 5 that I had against studying and teaching from that text, maybe you can at least relate to the feelings that I had, feelings that might start to bubble up in you if I were to start teaching from Galatians 5, which, by the way, you can tell that I'm going to uh, this morning. So as we look at some things related to the Spirit this morning, my encouragement primarily to me, uh, but, but also to all of us, is never to write off a passage of Scripture because that's basic. Or we learned that when we were kids and we don't need to learn that again. There's nothing more this has to teach us. Don't ever, never write Scripture off. That's something I'm telling myself and hopefully... Uh, you are, are better off than, than I am at that, but uh, we all need to learn for sure. Because after having studied for this, I've realized something huge, that I've missed out on a lot by ignoring this passage of Scripture. And so this morning, I hope we can consider some things that will be helpful uh, to you as they have been to me. So I have four points for us to think on this morning. Three points of key truths and one point of practical application for us to take with us. And most of these points will come from Galatians 5 and 6. So if you haven't already made your way in your Bibles there to Galatians chapters 5 and 6, uh, let me encourage you to do that. I actually want to begin in chapter 6 on the back end of, of this text uh, the, with the truth that Paul expresses there that I think is key for us to understand this whole idea. So let's start reading in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what we see here is a basic, not super complex, yet foundational and critical truth that we need to be filled with the Spirit, not the flesh. We need to be filled with the Spirit and not the flesh. And the reason for that is that there is a very real outcome that will come as a result of our being filled with either the Spirit or the flesh. If you back up to chapter 5 and verse 21, right before he goes into the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says that those who do the works of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. So a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit as a general topic, our discussions kind of get theoretical. They get kind of heady, kind of academic, and talk about the nature of the Spirit and that sort of thing. But what Paul tells us here is that if we are not filled with the Spirit, we will reap corruption. 
We will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is not something we can afford to be theoretical about. We can't just talk about that in an academic sense. Our salvation depends on this. And so how does this have to do with our screens, with our phones and our computers and our video games, our TV? Well, addiction to our screens nearly always means sowing to the flesh. I would argue that. Addiction to our screens. This is not to say that our screens, our phones, our computers can never be used for good. That's why this is difficult. Otherwise, this lesson would just be, okay, everybody, let's gather our phones and go to the nearest dumpster and just give them a toss, and our lives will be so much better. But that's not exactly the case, because there's a lot of good that can be done. Much encouragement and edification can be given and received through our phones. We can do a lot of Bible study on our computers that we never could have. I rely heavily on computer programs for Bible study to do my work that I do. So there's a lot of good that can be done. It's not as simple as just saying, let's throw it out. But when it comes to addiction to our screens, or for some of us, what may even be obsession with our screens, which often takes the form of social media for for one instance, in almost every case of addiction or obsession, what we are actually doing is sowing to the flesh. Consider the works of the flesh. Let's, let's take a look at, at chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Paul talks about the works of the flesh. He says there in chapter 5 and verse 19 of Galatians, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. If Facebook was honest, that might as well be their motto. We can see all those things displayed clearly online. A lot of them displayed on TV, too. A lot of them displayed in video games, too. All those works of the flesh. But on the other hand, consider the fruits of the Spirit. Starting in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. How many of these things do we see exemplified on social media, on TV, in our video games? Maybe we're the ones doing these works of the flesh, or maybe we're just spending a lot of time in a digital environment where they are all over the place, a digital environment that's flooded with them. But in either case, whether we're doing them or we're just spending time around them, we can see how addiction to our screens really is sowing to the flesh. So if there's such a wide gap between the spirit and the flesh, and we need to be absolutely certain that we are filled with the spirit and not sowing to the flesh, how can we be sure that we are properly identifying what is sowing to the flesh and what is sowing to the spirit? I mean, sure, we can see the the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh that are the results of us sowing, but how do we know on the front end as we're sowing that we're sowing correctly? I think Paul helps us with that question here in Galatians 5 and 6 as well. And what I think he shows us about the flesh is that the flesh centers around ourselves. The flesh centers around ourselves. Take a look again at chapter 6 and verse 8. Just for the one who sows to not just his flesh, but his own flesh. Paul makes it doubly clear that when you sow to the flesh, you are sowing to yourself. We're not sowing to someone else's flesh. We're pleasing ourselves. 
Paul says in chapter 5 and verse 13, uh, a similar kind of, in a similar vein, he says not to use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but to serve one another. And so in setting up this contrast, it seems that his point is the flesh is the opposite of serving others. Sowing to the flesh is focusing on yourself and what pleases you instead of others and what they need. And that makes perfect sense with what he says then in verse 16 of chapter 5. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And as someone with a background in digital marketing, let me tell you something about social media companies. These companies that make this content, whether social media or TV content producers or game developers or whatever, they aim, their goal is to please your desires and your flesh. Because guess what? They make money off of you pleasing your desires and your flesh and you getting addicted to these things. That's how they make their money. I mean, social media-wise, they do this through focusing us on, on likes and loves and comments. I mean, when you, if you've ever posted something... Have you ever checked back to see who liked your post or who left a comment, who loved your post even? I mean, the entire system of those reactions to posts and photos, it's designed to give us dopamine hits that will keep us posting content, keep us at least coming back to the platforms to read others where we're going to see more ads, where we're part of a statistic and more eyeballs on advertising that makes them money. And they make money off of us feeding our flesh. They make money off of us feeding our desires, our desire to be liked, our desire to be loved and accepted. And for so many of us, self-included, it works. It works really well. And we fall deeper and deeper into that addiction. But also things have changed with the strategy of these social media companies. Because you see, those likes and those loves weren't enough to keep us on their platform all day long, just every once in a while to check back. And so they've changed their strategy. We've moved from what they call the social graph era of social media, where the content you see on your Facebook feed, for instance, is mainly your friends, things that people you know are posting. Now we're in the discovery era of social media, where you're mainly seeing other content from people you've never met. Anybody gotten frustrated with that on your Facebook feed? A lot of content from people you don't know, things you may or may not be interested in. So it's, wow, I just want to see my friends. Well, they're doing that on purpose. They are, they are changing this so that now you can get content that interests you endlessly. It's not limited to whatever your friends post. It's whatever anybody out there is making that might interest you. And so they have a profile on all of us. They gather information about our interests, and, and they feed us content like that so that we can, we can stay interested all day long. But ultimately what we're doing, if we are engaging with that, is feeding our flesh. That's feeding our desires. They know what we like, and they're going to give it to us. And they want us to keep consuming it. That's how it's designed. And that's, that's, that's where we're headed with, with social media. And so, so now, not only are they pleasing our personal desires, but think about this. You might not share those desires with anyone else. You might have an interest that nobody around you actually shares, but they will feed you content to do with that. Constantly. And so, so now on multiple fronts, these, these social media companies have made it easier than ever for us to, to feed our flesh all day long, as much as you want. And to be fair, for the world, that's, that's not a big problem. 
right? Because, I mean, they're just being entertained. They're just enjoying themselves. They're just checking up on their interests and watching videos that they think are funny and cool and entertaining. Maybe it's not a problem for the world, but for Christians, that's a huge problem, an enormous problem. The reason it's such a big problem is that it takes us away from what the Spirit would lead us to do, from the lives the Spirit would drive us to live. Because, see, while the, while the flesh centers around my desires, myself, the Spirit would have us center our lives around God and other Christians. The Spirit wants us focused on God and on other Christians. Going into the study, I thought this whole idea of being filled with the Spirit would be like a neat theological, academic study to just kind of figure out the phrase and what it means and, and just, just a fun intellectual exercise. Turns out it's a lot more practical than that. It's very challenging. Because it turns out what being filled with the Spirit actually is, is letting go of what I want. Letting go of what I like, what pleases me in order to serve my fellow Christians. Ooh, that's a lot more challenging than just an intellectual exercise. Let me illustrate this. I love barbershop music. You may or may not know that about me, but now you do. I'd be happy to talk to you about it for hours on end. But in, in fact, I enjoy singing with a barbershop chorus where we have a three-hour rehearsal. We sing barbershop music together for three hours. And then afterward, a lot of guys stay around and we sing more songs in little quartets. We form quartets and sing for another hour or two. We do about five hours of barbershop every week with that, with that chorus. Now, that was in Florida, and I kind of missed that. But, but anyway, uh, how many of you could I interest in a barbershop singing marathon for five hours uh, right now? No, no, really, really. Uh, put your hands up. I mean, let me see them high, guys. I, don't be shy. You don't share that interest. Not to the level that I have it anyway. And if you want me to sit down for three hours and watch a full NFL game, I'd probably want to rip my eyeballs out of their sockets. We just don't always share interests. That's the reality. But you know what it means to be filled with the Spirit? Based on what we read here, I think Paul would say that it means, in large part, spending time being with and serving other Christians who probably don't share your interests. Being with other Christians and serving them, uh, whose, whose job is not to cater to your preferences, who are not trying to entertain you every second of the day like your phones are. I think that's what Paul's communicating to us in Galatians 5 and 6. We, we already looked at verse 13 of chapter 5, where he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one where you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But also after talking about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says in verse 24 of chapter 5 that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then after talking about sowing to the Spirit in chapter 6, then in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6, he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So what does this look like in a digital world where we, we carry the entire world, so to speak, in our pockets? It looks like not giving yourself to your phone, not giving yourself to any other device to, to consume your time on a daily basis, but giving yourself to others, especially other Christians, especially other Christians. The reality is other Christians may not share your interests. They may not be the easiest to talk to, 
They may be awkward. Okay, they probably will be awkward in, in, in many cases, self-included sometimes. Unlike your phone, which doesn't need you to converse with it, and unlike your devices, they don't ask much of you. They're not awkward. They just they want to feed you with whatever you want. People aren't like that. Christians, Christians are awkward and may not share your interests. But in order to be filled with the Spirit, which we desperately need for eternal life, we have to be away from our phones, away from our devices, and with others, especially other Christians. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh, chapter 5 and verse 24, and they are not controlled by their desires anymore. They gave that up in order to bear God's image of selflessness, sacrifice, and love for others. And because of that, if we want to be filled with the Spirit, that must be our life. Intentionally saying no to that which pleases us, to that which we like. Saying no to things that aren't necessarily sinful all the time, but that please us and take us away from what we can do for our brothers and sisters. To be fair, being with and serving other Christians is something that can be aided to some degree by some of our devices, which can help us stay connected to our spiritual family. We have a Facebook group. We, We text one another. But ultimately, being with and serving other Christians is something that can only truly, fully happen when we are actually together with other Christians in person. There is no substitute for that. The pictures we have throughout the book of Acts are pictures of Christians being together, not sending letters. I mean, they did that, obviously, but that's no substitute for being together, for spending time with other Christians helping one another, serving one another, strengthening one another. You can only do that to the fullest when you are together. That's hard sometimes. That's awkward. We don't share interests. I get it. But that's exactly what Acts pictures for us, and that's exactly what's described here in Galatians as well. Look at the language of the nature, uh, excuse me, the nature of the language at the beginning of chapter 6. It's totally communal language. Read along with me here. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Those aren't instructions for people on an island. Those are instructions about how you deal with other Christians. They're directions for living in a faith community where your life is defined by association with and service to God's people. And again, I'm not saying phones or devices can never help us with that, but our phones should never define or control us, nor should any device. If we want to be filled with the Spirit, it's the needs and the best interest of our brothers and sisters as we ultimately serve God and bear His image to each other that should define and control us. Flesh centers around ourselves, but the Spirit centers around God and His people. And here's a litmus test for you that I think is good to help us determine uh, whether we're using our our devices in a healthy way. Does our device usage center more around ourselves, or does our device usage center around God and His people? You can even use that in the moment as you're on your device, whatever it is. Is what I'm doing right now on this device please me, or is it serving God and serving others? Is it outward-focused? If we're going to be filled with the Spirit, that means our focus needs to be on the latter. It needs to be on God and others, not on ourself. 
I'm not saying there's never a place for entertainment, so there's my disclaimer, occasionally. But so many of us do more than occasional entertainment with our devices. And we struggle with that. And so being filled with the Spirit means we need to make sure that most of our, our time and that what defines us is, is each other and our service to God. So clearly we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit and not focus on the flesh. But maybe you're wondering at this point, how do we accomplish that? What's, what's the solution? We talked a lot about the problems and what we need to be, but we're not there. So how do we get there? Consider Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we become filled with the Spirit? It seems to me that here Paul would suggest that we become filled with the Spirit by placing ourselves firmly in a community of believers. A community of believers where we can learn, understand, and practice the will of the Lord. Which is what he's talking about here in Ephesians 5. This year is part of our, our theme, our preaching theme that I want to unveil next week uh, for the year. One thing I want to offer us all is a practical way uh, to do that, which is a daily Bible reading plan. If we become filled with the Spirit by placing ourselves in a community of believers where we can learn, understand, and practice the will of the Lord, then engaging in a communal reading of the Scriptures, which contain the will of the Lord, is certainly going to help us do that and draw closer to each other, which is a little bit of a spoiler uh, hint for the, the theme. But there are copies of a 2024 Bible reading plan in the back, and I'd encourage you to take as many as you want and as will be useful to you as we try to, to read through, through the Scriptures uh, together this, this coming year. I'll have more to say about that next week, but wanted to go ahead and get those out there and mention that because the new year starts tomorrow. So uh, go ahead and, and, and grab, grab some today. But coming back to Ephesians 5, Paul says there are a lot of other activities we can be doing outside of serving one another and singing, that sort of thing, uh, besides being filled with the Spirit, ultimately. He talks about unwise things in verse 15. He talks about foolish things in verse 16. Even clouding our judgment with alcohol. And where does the world go when they're stressed? That's where they go. Alcohol to themselves, to their phones that distract them. But Christians have to be different. We have to be different. We have to be careful about how we use our time. That's what Paul's saying. Be careful. The days are evil, so redeem the time. James would remind us that our time is so limited. Our life is like that. It's over. Any of you feel that? that? That's reality. Paul would have us avoid those foolish, unwise, and selfish things, though. And he gives us an alternative. He gives us an alternative as to how to be filled with the Spirit. He gives us three things. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Giving thanks to God. And submitting to one another. And here's the neat thing about that. All three of those things offer us spiritual alternatives to the selfish things that our phones would like to trap us in. All those things offer us spiritual alternatives 
to what our devices would like to trap us in. Look, think about singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the first one. Well, all this other entertainment out there, instead of all that, musical or otherwise entertainment, whether it's games, TV, music, all this stuff, they would like to keep us watching it and playing it and doing it all day long. God's people are instead to sing hymns that draw us out of our self-centered thoughts, draw us toward him as we address, teach, and admonish one another, replacing worldly entertainment with spiritual music. You can see the, the wisdom in that. But secondly, giving thanks to God. Paul talks about that as well here in Ephesians 5. When it comes to social media, instead of scrolling through picture after picture of somebody's life that seems so much better than yours, you get to travel places that you don't get to, they live in a place that you don't get to, their, their life seems so much better. Being together with God's people, that's the perfect setting for pouring out thanksgiving to Him for what we do have and learning contentment from those who are older and more mature as a Christian than you are. And then finally, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Instead of getting dragged into Facebook debates, instead of trying to make yourself and your life look as good as possible, instead of avoiding being with other people and talking to other people and just spending your time on on entertainment and devices, God's people are to come together, give up their selfish concerns, give up what they want, and submit themselves to the needs of their brothers and sisters. And all that language about they, by the way, that, that's us. That's us that need to do that. I think what this really shows us is that underneath that shiny layer of new technology, ooh, we get so caught up in that, but really, there's nothing new under the sun. Scripture gives us everything we need for life and for godliness. Whether those temptations come in the form of devices and screens, or whether they come in the forms that they came uh, in, in the days of Solomon. Our phones and our devices would like us to ignore others and focus on ourselves. It's almost universally true. But Scripture reminds us that such an outlook is really sowing to the flesh. And where does that lead us? corruption, and a lack of eternal life, eternal destruction. I think we forget that. I forget that sometimes. Are we sowing to the flesh or are we sowing to the Spirit? May God bless us as we seek to crucify the flesh, be filled with the Spirit, and live lives of service to Him and to each other, most of all. Is that what your life is about as you consider it this morning? Is it totally focused on God and others? Or have you been trapped by all these devices? It makes a lot of sense why so many of us fall prey, because these, these companies would love us to spend all our time, and Satan also would love us to spend all our time away from other Christians and, and focusing on what we enjoy. But as Christians, God's called us to something higher, something better, and something that is ultimately better for us, that leads to life eternal, which is serving him, being defined by our service and our allegiance to our great King, our God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If that doesn't define your life this morning, make that right this morning. If we can help you with that, we'd love to do that. Come forward as, as we stand and sing.